This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. This is the Hollywood Raw Podcast, hosted by entertainment veteran Dax Holt and street journalist Adam Glynn. Welcome to the Hollywood Raw Podcast. I'm Dax Holt. Over there, however, is not Adam Glenn. This week, we've got David Yonta filling in. David from the Behind the Velvet Rope podcast, a buddy of mine, someone who I have been on his podcast. David, how are you, bud? What's going on? Dude, this, is I, long, this is long overdue, right? A hundred percent. And the, the amount of people that over the time have been like, oh, you need to do something with David. You guys need to do some kind of collab. We we have collabed on his. He is now coming on to ours. Adam's out today. And David was gracious enough to say, yeah, I'll, I'll come on. I'll fill in. Hell yeah. So thank you. I mean, listen, this is the Hollywood Raw podcast with Dax and Adam. Like, who would say no to that, right? <laughs> well, Jen Aniston, maybe. Um, there's Brad Pitt. <laughs> George Clooney, Julia I mean, Roberts. Just, let's let's stop naming them because you know that just makes me want to cry. No, um, in reality, thank you again so much. Today is Friday, which is our raw rundown where we get into all the big entertainment stories of the week. Get you caught up for anyone who's not paying attention to entertainment news. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to read a review real fast just to get us into it, and then we will jump right in uh, to our top ten list. All right, this one. Let's see. This one comes from Sage SC. It says, love you guys. Five stars. Adam and Dax, thank you for being a constant source of entertainment for me. I'm going through a very difficult time personally, and you guys bring much needed distraction to my difficult days. I look forward to listening every time and love going back to the archives. Thank you and keep up the great stuff. P.S. Adam's rant about Demi Lovato was the greatest thing I could have heard today. Keep it real. Aw, well, thank you, Sage SC. Um, I'm trying to remember what he said about Demi. Oh, he said she's exhausting. You, you know, I prefer Demi Moore over Demi Lovato. <laughs> so there you go. I mean, I'm not going to. Yeah, I mean, she, she could be a little exhausting. It's just the the constant look at me. I think he was kind of getting over it. I, you know, Demi's Demi in my opinion. You don't so, mind her. And I, she is what she is. <laughs> and that changes every single day is the other crazy part about it. It does. Give me some Demi Moore, old school ghost, and I'm and I'm happy. Serious. All right, let's get into this then. We're number 10, right? Yeah, number 10. Let's start at number 10. All right, number 10. Pete Davidson is finally getting his second shot to host SNL. He is getting the first episode of uh, season 49. Holy shit, I can't believe they're already on season 49. Um, so he will be coming back. It'll be Ice Spice, who is the musical guest. Saturday Night Live uh, uh, revealed this. And then it sounds like the following week, Bad Bunny will be there hosting. And he will also be double, doing double duty as well as uh, the musical guest. Uh, David, are you excited? Is this something that you would watch? I mean, people were people were bummed because he was supposed to be on, and then the writer strike happened, and then it kind of went away. Are are you excited about this? I mean, you know, I'm mildly excited. You know, I don't think it's great. I'm sorry it went away for him due to the writer strike, but like, I don't think we're sitting here feeling bad for Pete Davidson. Like, you know. <laughs> Emily Ratajkowski, like, you know, all these beautiful women. We all know apparently why he has all these beautiful women to date. But life just works out for Pete Davidson. So I'm excited, but I'm not like people are really like justice for Pete. I mean, is that really where we are? Do we feel bad for Pete Davidson? 
I definitely, I don't feel bad. And good for him because I think there's even more anticipation. It was probably actually a blessing in disguise because he was just going to be a part of a season. Now we've, we haven't had SNL. We haven't had the late nights. People are craving, you know, having this new content back. And so he, if he's on the first episode, I think it's October 17th. He's on the first episode. People are ready to see it. They're going to tune in. I, I think that that is a, a good spot for him to be in. And I think being like an SNL alum, like I think, look, I think it's a good spot for NBC to be in. I think it's going to be a ratings blockbuster. Like you said, we mm-hmm. haven't had this content forever. So I think it's going to be a huge lead in for him and for NBC and everyone's going to be happy. 100% man. What is number nine? Number nine, uh, teen mom, Janelle Evans. Uh, I don't know if you've caught up on this news this week, but uh, her son, Jace, uh, ran away. And this is his third time running away. Cops found him. They talked to him. And apparently he is saying that uh, if he, he will run away again if he is forced to go home to live with Janelle's husband, David Easton, who he is accusing of assault. So, you know, this is a pretty serious situation. But this kid has run away, like I said, three times. He's telling cops he does not feel safe in his home. Uh, Janelle seems to be kind of like saying the reports are false that uh, are not the reports, but the what they are saying, uh, her mom and the son maybe aren't as truthful as they believe. Uh, again, I don't live in the house. I don't know. I'm just reporting it. Um, but Jace, uh, according to him, is saying that, uh, let's see, that he he called, let's see, she, Janelle called 911 around 1130 p.m., uh, said her son was missing. But then it sounds like there's just been a very violent home being assaulted by, uh, allegedly being assaulted by David Easton. That's why he ran away and hid and then will not be wanting to go back. So, uh, you know, this is not a joking situation at all, man. No. And I mean, it, it seems like she's taking the boyfriends, the boyfriend's side and all this. I mean, also, I just want to know, because I mean, the one thing that stuck out to me in this article is like, where do they live? Like, not to make mm-hmm. light of it, but I think that they said if the sun runs away again, like they're kind of in the middle of nowhere, like yeah, you run for hours and still be in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, they're in North Carolina. And oh, wow. I think they're kind of like really far out there. And they're basically saying like, Look, number one, we don't want to put him back into a situation where he's afraid or he's getting hurt. But on top of it, if he does go back and he was to run away again, they're in the middle of nowhere. So there's things out in the wild. It's just it's not safe for a young kid. And I want to say he's 14 years old to be out there running around in the wilderness. I mean, it's kind of a serious story. And then, I mean, what happens now? I mean, I know they mentioned Child Protective Services, but I was just like, where does this kid go now? Because it doesn't seem like he wants to go back home. So, no. And I believe there was like uh, ring footage of the altercation. So I think that the cops have their hands on a lot of stuff right now. And I believe that they are combing through it, trying to figure out where is the best place for this kid to go. If you remember, he was raised by his grandma for like a lot of his life and then only started living with Janelle earlier this year. So I'm going to say maybe he goes just back to grandma's house or something. I'm not, I, I don't know. I mean, that would be a good solution, but you know, you look at the Teen Mom series and you have these stereotypes. It's like we keep having these stories from the Teen Mom anthology, if you will, that kind Are of Are you saying true. that they're not mentally healthy on this show? I mean, have you ever <laughs> seen the show, Dax? Have you ever oh, sat yeah. there and taken a minute to watch the show? I mean, 
yeah, this is this one. So, I mean, I wasn't so shocked to read this story, unfortunately. Yeah, no, I, uh, Dr. Drew being a good buddy of mine, like we, we've talked a lot about just the teen mom stuff and, you know, he is actively involved on the reunion shows, all that kind of stuff. Um, but they, you're right. There is a lot of struggling within a lot of these, these moms. And I don't know if it's, you know, and I, I don't know if it was forced to number one, you're a very young mother, which is extremely difficult. You're trying to deal with, you know, growing up and now being a parent, but on top of it, fame, and I'm talking huge fame from a young age. So I think it's probably just not a good combination all all around. I would agree with that. I would agree with that, but I'm wishing them well. What do you have for number eight this week? Number eight, Jamie Lynn Spears kicked off Dancing with the Stars. Uh, But the interesting thing is she wasn't necessarily at the bottom, bottom of the heat when it came to scores and stuff. And if you know anything about Dancing with the Stars, they take the judges scores, but then they also take the fans voting. They combine it together and that's, you know, who ends up getting kicked off or doesn't make the the show. And... um, so with her this week, she she had a bad score, but there were other teams that had worse scores. But the voting from the fans is really what sealed her fate. And a lot of people are blaming the Free Britney movement because there was so much drama between Britney and Jamie Lynn and Jamie being a part of it and not speaking up on behalf of her sister. So the second that... You know, she was kicked off. Everyone went to Twitter or X and was like, justice for Britney, dancing with the stars, hashtag free Britney. Do you think that Britney's fans literally took aim at her? I mean, look, you know, it ties into my boy, Mauricio Umansky. You know, my podcast, Not a Shameless Plug, is housed in Bravo and Housewives. Mm-hmm. Mauricio is not doing good at all. And yet he's he's getting by. He's kept with this really poor score. So it kind of does tie into that of like, yeah, I, I think there has because she really wasn't that bad and her score wasn't that Mm-mm. low. You know, she was also on like Fox Special Forces or she's on it now, you know. But so I think there is something to be said for that. Yeah, I, you, I really the Britney army is so strong. It runs so deep. But do you think there's still a lot of people out there that are like free Britney at this moment? Believe it or not, yes, because I have talked about this on my podcast and I've had people like yourself, not that you said this as co-hosts that have really said, get her and back into a conservatorship. And, and I'm then, not saying know, conservatorship, but I, there there is help needed. You know what I'm saying? I, I don't know what level. I am not a doctor. I, I do not diagnose, but I feel like there is some level of assistance that would be good for her or even just trying to keep her on the tracks and there's no one around her right now. And it's, it's scary to watch her, her Instagram. It is like, I mean, the whole thing with the knives, I mean, she just came out and said they were fake knives. I don't really understand that. Like, I, I mean, I, I, I stopped reading after one or two sentences, but mm-hmm. yeah, like her Instagram is somewhat troubling. Right. I mean, no, I mean, I feel like it's more than somewhat troubling. Who was it? There was someone that came out. I'm trying to find it real fast. There was like, Hey, even though that they are prop. Oh, Michael Myers. <laughs> The guy who plays Michael Myers in all the uh, Halloween Halloween movies, the actor had said, be careful because even prop knives are very dangerous. (laughs) So even he's like, I've worked with tons of prop knives my entire career. He's like, 
they can still hurt you. So, I mean, she's clanking them together. At the end of the day, it's metal. It may not be as sharpened as, you know, your, your knife in your kitchen, but you could probably still cut yourself. Yeah. And like, just in general, the visual of you with knives, like how do, what goes through our mind that gets us there? Right. Mm -hmm. So I do think, I think there's still a huge free Britney movement. I agree with you that I'm not so sure that I'm pro free Britney. I think mm -hmm. something is needed. I don't know what that is, but I do think that that is still a huge movement. And I think that did cause Jamie Lynn to be voted off of Dancing with the Stars just a little bit too early. So funny. And she went off of that, um, what was that other show she was doing? Fox um, Special Forces. Yeah. I mean, she she was off of there early. I mean, that was her own choice. She needed to leave on, on that one. But these two big opportunities for like reality star, super fame, she has not had much luck with. Dancing with the Stars. You know, you get more money the longer you're there. It could be great. And who doesn't want more money each week that you go by. So this was, I thought, very premature. Yeah. What about what is our seventh story today? Oh, this one is straight up your alley. Kim Zolciak, there was uh, some uh, footage from one of the moments where cops had to go to their Georgia home. Um, and, and this was back at the in the end of August, but there's there's footage from inside the home when she called police out because she can't get into her bedroom. I guess Croy had locked the bedroom door, won't let her in. So the cops get there and she said, oh, I just had major neck surgery. I want to sleep in my bed. He's locked the door. I can't get in. And they were like, well, don't you have another bedroom? Don't you have somewhere else you can sleep? And she goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. But because of my neck, I need to sleep on that mattress because it's a $20,000 mattress. And she said, you know, my daughter's mattresses, they're too soft. They're too comfy to sleep on. I need that one. And not only that, I need my face cream that's in there or some cream that's in there. It's a thousand dollar cream. And uh, you hear the cops actually at one point say to Croy, they go, you know, listen, uh, you could be charged with criminal trespassing for failing to grant Kim equal access to marital property. And you hear him go, no, I can't. <laughs> uh, but uh, $20,000 mattress. I mean, are you surprised? No, you know, you know that they owe so much money, like they're in foreclosure so on the house, they owe taxes, like the rumors, she has a gambling problem. She was just in LA a few weeks ago, getting a brain scan by I forgot that guy's name, the famous brain scan guy. Mm -hmm. You know, Kim is a mess. She's just a mess. And by the way, I mean, this isn't going to get her back on the show. She's not going back to Real Housewives of Atlanta. This is like too messy for Bravo. It's She's off brand for For, for Bravo to say something's too messy, you know that shit is really messy. You know it's real. I mean, I personally have never been, you know, being a Housewives expert, I've never been such a fan of Kim. And this is why. And mind you also, I mean, I'm not even trying to make a joke like I know you have to show up when you call 911, but it's truly like the little boy who cried wolf. You realize that between her and Croy, they've called 911 about like seven times in the past oh, yeah. few months. I mean, have you ever called 911 in your life? I mean, you know, when there's a real, I mean, like who calls 911 like 10 times in like two months over this? I also just think this is the worst possible living situation, them being under the same roof. You still have children at the end of the day that have to watch you get up in the morning, fight with each other. Um, it's just really unhealthy situation. Um, I don't know. I, I think if the cops are getting called out that much, like you got to figure something else out and that may be 
living somewhere else. I just know that they keep saying, oh, we don't have any money to be able to live separately at this point. I mean, well, you know, he apparently wants to sell this house. Like she, I just, Kim to me is in such denial. Like she's always been this way. Like, okay, let's start. You know, it's almost like I want to go in and say, listen, you two need to stop. Like I'm going to, clean. I don't know about the marriage stuff, but I'm going to clean up your financial troubles. Like, Hey, let's put this house on the market tomorrow. You want 3 million too bad. You have 2 million, sell it. Let's go. I mean, you could sell a house in a day if you just undervalue it Mm -hmm. a little bit. So I just don't understand. Like, I know she likes her house. Well, guess what? You can't afford it. So it's probably time to sell it. I mean, how many rooms does it have? Maybe it's time to downsize. She is selling her designer bags and shoes online. And my whole thing is like, you know, when you buy, I'm actually a big bag person, which you probably don't know this. I have like a bag fetish. When you buy a designer bag on like one of five or six reputable websites, it's guaranteed to be real. Like you can sleep mm-hmm. at night. Who is going to buy a designer bag from Kim Zolciak's closet? And, you know, this is the condition. Is it real? Is it not real? Who is buying these bags and I mean, to me, I would just think this could be fake. It could be in bad condition. Someone I know actually did an expose where she said it was in a certain condition and they actually posted the bag they got and it was like in horrible condition. Really? So I don't know. Kim is just, it's just, it's such a mess at this point. She's got to clean up her act, right? So what show could she do? Because I was thinking about this. I'm like, let's say Bravo doesn't want her back. But I feel like she'd be fantastic for like surreal life. She is doing surreal life. I don't know if you know this. Oh, just so I, rem- I remember we talked about this real. I honestly, I don't even remember saying her name. I must have at some point, but she seems like the perfect, perfect candidate for surreal life. She she's on it. So to me, it's like, I don't know how much, I don't know how the economics work of surreal life, but you're getting paid something, right? So whatever that is, it's like, don't go buy another bag because you're selling, go and t- put this somewhere, give it to the house, give it to the IRS, like, Right. I don't know. I'm very non-forgiving when it comes to these money problems. It's like pay your debts. Or but spend she is, it on rehab and get yourself some help. If you're addicted to gambling, go get yourself some help. Like you said, you're good friends with Dr. Drew. So maybe it's time for you to call Dr. Drew and put Serious. him in touch with Kim. What's the next story? Number six. Number six, Ariana Grande and her boyfriend, Ethan Slater, apparently are living together at least this is according to us weekly who has a source saying that the two are uh living together in new york if you remember they met on the set of wicked which they were filming in london uh that that began filming back in like december of 2022 and then uh their relationships started to heat up and now allegedly living together and one of the sources says that they're really happy really good for each other all of her friends love him. Uh, both of them going through divorces right now. Ariana Grande and uh, Dalton Gomez uh, divorcing. And then same for um, Ethan and his estranged wife going through uh, a divorce as well. And it's it kind of interesting. The source close to them basically said, you know, they met um, and both of them had been uh I guess, available or on the market or separated from their significant other ones for a while. And I'm thinking, no, they hadn't. (laughs) Like, what are you talking about? They literally met together and then divorces all around. 
Yeah, like I think we're just rewriting history with this one, with that statement. Uh, listen, I I understand, you know, you meet someone, you're supposed to fall in love with the person and take everything else out of it. I don't understand this at all. I don't, mm-hmm. un- and I'm not like the hugest Ariana Grande fan. I mean, here I am, you know, being shady to Demi Lovato. I'm not really a huge Ariana fan either, but she's certainly a superstar of a certain magnitude. I think mm-hmm. she's literally gorgeous. I just, I don't understand this pairing. I I mean, yes, Broadway and, you know, we're working together in Wicked and they're both Broadway babies. I don't really understand. I don't get it. I don't understand what she sees. I I don't see this lasting beyond Wicked being released. Yeah. I think I could see this being really good for promotion, really good for when it releases, them walking the red carpet hand in hand at that point, which... I'm assuming it would, it's going to take a while for that movie to even come out if they just filmed it. But beyond that, I'm like, are, they, are these two really going to last? I don't think so. You don't think this is publicity, though, do you? No, I don't think it's publicity. I think they'll use it to their advantage, though. Yeah, I think they'll use it to their advantage. I mean, look, I think she really wanted this part. She really wanted to do this movie. So, yeah, I think they'll use it to their advantage. I just don't. I I agree with you. I don't think this is going to last. I think there's, like, no chance. I just don't understand it at all, actually. I don't think think I think this is classic rebound relationship. I think that she was probably unhappy in hers, and she found him. And, unfortunately, I think that it broke up his marriage you know at the end of the day this was his high school sweetheart they had a kid together um and i think he will grow to regret that in a year or two from now when he's like i gave up my childhood sweetheart for ariana grande who has notoriously kind of you know gotten engaged dumped dudes you know like I, i don't think she's one to necessarily settle down at this moment no, and I, I think so too. Like I get it, the allure of like this big superstar and you're working together and you're in Broadway. So obviously her voice is phenomenal. She's talented. But I agree. I don't think he really thought this through. Like I get it that the shiny object is exciting for a minute. Mm-hmm. But I think if you just step out of that, I think, yeah, she's her reputation, like her track record isn't so great for settling down. And I mean, how old is she? She's isn't she isn't she still in her twenties? Maybe yeah, she's pretty young. She's pretty young. So I, I, I this isn't going to work out. I'm sorry. Like she, I hate she's to be, like 30, I think literally in her thirties, I believe. So there you go. And yes, it's New York city. It's very expensive. Surely Ariana Grande can afford to live by herself. But <laughs> even with Dalton Gomez, who she's divorcing, like that moved really fast. I think, yeah. you know, I think that she is like the mini Jennifer Lopez. Like I think deep down, she kind of like wants to, like she loves love. Right. But yeah, Jennifer's just older and wiser and has found it now. And Ariana has a long way to go. And just, I understand loving love and just going with your heart and being carefree, but just maybe think through it for another minute, Ariana, before you just start moving in with people when you're not even divorced, right? (laughs) I'm being really hard today, Dax. I don't know what's going on. No, I love it. Tell us about our number five story this week. I love this, but Snoop Dogg and Ed Sheeran hanging out and just getting high as hell together. So Ed was actually, he sat down, he was doing an interview with Conan O'Brien for Conan's podcast, um, Conan Needs a Friend. 
And he started to recount this whole story about just getting stoned out of his mind with Snoop. And he said that, uh, you know, that he was in Melbourne and our Snoop was in Melbourne performing. Sheeran went to go see it along with his wife and his mother-in-law. And then uh, I guess they were like backstage. And so him, uh, Russell Crowe and Ed Sheeran apparently are buddies. But Russell Crowe and Snoop Dogg apparently are super close. And they like to have like basically smoke offs. And so he was like, I was hanging out with the two of them. We're just chilling. I'm watching Russell and Snoop smoke blunts just one after another after another. And then I guess Snoop offered him one. And he was like, well, I didn't want to be rude. So sure. And at one point he goes, I just, I, I couldn't see anymore. <laughs> he was like, he was offering me another one and I, I couldn't see, I didn't know what was like happening because they were hot boxing this dressing room so much. Um, and he, he just, he was laughing about the whole situation and really looking like he was the weak player in the room. Well, listen, first of all, I mean, if Snoop Dogg offers you, I mean, isn't that like a right of patches? If, yeah. if you could get high with anyone, wouldn't it be Snoop Dogg? And yeah, second I, of all, you it's don't him say or no, Willie Nelson, right? right? Like it's Snoop or Willie Nelson. Like either one of them hands you, you got to say yes. I didn't realize Russell Crowe was such a pothead, but I guess that's what I find so interesting from this. But when I, I had a friend, you know, I, I live in New York part-time when I had a friend once come, you know, and she wanted to go to the view. That's all she wanted. I'm like, okay, we'll, we'll get tickets. We'll go see the view, blah, blah, blah. The guest that day happened to be Snoop Dogg. So like, right as we were approaching to go to the view, the big, big caravan pulls up and it really is not a stereotype. Like the doors open and I am not kidding you. It, it literally, you could see the pot smoke pouring out of the van. You're like, <laughs> who is this? Now, mind you, 35 people get out before Snoop Dogg. And then at the yep. end, like, they're like, of course this is Snoop Dogg, but it's really, you hear about this. It's not even a joke. Like you, it's literally, you could see the smoke come out of the van and you could smell it. And you're, we weren't even that close to the van. So it really just is these stereotypes are true. But yeah, I, I would have to get high with Snoop Dogg if I were going to get high with anyone. I love that. Just to even think about, you know, the people that hang out with Snoop. And these are the people that we know about, like Russell Crowe getting high with him. Um, Martha Stewart being one of his buddies. I, I think it's it's hilarious. I and Ed Sheeran smoking with him. Like everyone must smoke. To, to think about who are the biggest stars in the world that we don't know about that have smoked with Snoop. I would love them to know that answer. I would love to know that answer. I mean, talk about you know we the guests. Like I would love Snoop Dogg on my podcast. Mm -hmm. Like you talk about the people that are not going to come on. A, I don't think Snoop Dogg is doing behind the velvet rope. But we have tried. <laughs> my team has tried. There was something so specific. I forgot what it was once that he was promoting, and yeah. I was like, just tr we he can promote justice, and it was nothing. You know, it was one of these real side projects that I was like, we could talk for five minutes. He could talk only about this. No other. I was like, I don't even care. Just make this happen it didn't happen but so we actually had a back and forth i was like oh this this is far farther than i ever thought i would get but he's i don't know i'm like a huge snoop dog fan love I him really too am. what else you got for us we're up to number four we're getting up nope. now we are getting there uh brian austin green saying he spent over four years recovering from stroke like symptoms caused by his diet so he went on Cheryl Burke's podcast, Sex Lies and Spray Tans, and uh, opened up uh, about some health problems that he had had for many, many years. Uh, basically said that, uh, you know, he, he spent four and a half years recovering from these symptoms so hard that he 
couldn't speak. He said that uh, he was so desperate for any answers. The doctors told him he had vertigo and ulcerative colitis and that the combination caused him to be bedridden for three months. He added that uh, none of the specialists he was seeing at the time could really figure out what was behind the illness. He said that they all started off as kind of like neurological things um, after the vertigo. And then it was four and a half years of his life just dealing with this to the point where he was shuffling around like he was a 90-year-old man. He couldn't speak, couldn't read, couldn't write. Um, and then uh, Cheryl had asked him, oh, is this anything to do with the accident that you had with Megan Fox? Because they were in like a car accident a while back when they were struck by uh, a drunk driver. And he goes, no, this was dietary. This wasn't an accident. It was dietary. And uh, the press had all of that wrong and that he it was all undiagnosed by Western medicine. So he ended up finally finding a doctor um, that was more into kinesiology and Eastern medicine and that um, uh, I guess they were that doctor was able to get him kind of back functioning. And I did know about that, which is really interesting. I actually had this conversation with Brian, I don't know, like five years ago. Um, he hadn't really told anyone. I did his first interview after all of this went down. So like he hadn't spoken to anyone, had any press. I did an interview with him. It was phenomenal, but he did reveal like I was stuck in bed for months at a time, months and months. And literally was like, I, and this is when he was with Megan Fox. And he's just like, I, I, I can't do anything. Like she's literally, you know, seeing him deteriorate in bed. And he's like, I don't, I didn't even feel like a husband. I mean, I wonder, cause that never comes up. You know, I wonder if that was what led to their demise. It was, I, mean, it, I, I don't think, think so because they were, after all of that, they did get better for a while. Uh, I mean, they had a kid, uh, essentially, after all of that as well. Um, I think it was probably a huge toll on the marriage. Um, I mean, there's an what, age difference, so there's that. You know, there's a lot of that. things. There was one other thing that I did find interesting because I had, even though I've been buddies with him for a while, I had never, I don't, I don't ask him about Megan Fox. That's just, I, I think the only time I ever talked to him about Megan Fox was on the podcast when he came on. Um, but you know, the way that the timeline happened publicly, it kind of seemed like, you know, machine gun Kelly came into the picture and then they get a divorce. But he said that he was uh, single for two years. And, um, and then uh, what's her face? Uh, what's his, his machine gun Kelly? Uh, no, Shauna Burgess. Yes. Um, that she had been single for five years. So them coming together was like really good. But I'm thinking two years, I don't think two years went by. So I think him and Megan were actually apart a lot longer than people knew. That is probably the case. You know, I I mean, I, I just read this article because I saw this article too. I mean, when I think of like bad diets, I don't think of Brian Austin Green. Like he's in great shape. So... I mean, he's 50 and he's in really he, good shape. He told me once he was like, he was on this crazy diet and this was a keto diet afterwards. But I remember him being like, because he wouldn't drink anything, no alcohol. And then he said he would like eat a stick of butter. And I'm like, what? And he would literally eat a stick of butter. And I don't know, I, I don't do keto, so I don't know what that does for you. But I just found it so gross to think about him like eating sticks of butter. 
That is gross. Uh, that's the first thing. Second thing is I've, <laughs> I've done keto for like a hot minute. I mean, mm -hmm. I assume it's, first of all, it's no joke. I was like, this is not for me. I'm out. But I think you're eating the butter probably just because you're so exhausted and depleted. That's what keto mm -hmm. did for me. It's like, but also what are you doing with no alcohol, man? That's your first problem. Like, I'm sorry. Life is too stressful here. Like, I, I, he's, I can he's say very, that. He's a very healthy dude. Like, doesn't – like, for him, he's like, I just – I can't do the alcohol. I, he, I don't do sweets. He, like, he is, like, very strict with his diet. And the guy's ripped. Like, totally ripped. So it's he's working for him. ripped. You know, by the way, and this is not my ego, the number one – curious who you get. The number one doppelganger just from, like, the world, having nothing to do with my podcast just way before that is always yeah. Brian Austin Green. That's really what I get. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that because that – I am I will take that any day of the week. That's the – when someone's like, do you know who you look like? 99% of the time they say Brian Austin Green. Isn't that weird? That is so funny. Yeah. It's like, okay, I'm not going to, you go with that. Like, I got, yeah. I got Lance Bass for, for a long time. Like, when I was at TMZ, the blonde hair, like fair skin, I got a lot of Lance Bass when I was younger. Well, now you're going to have to dye your hair like purple. <laughs> he, has, he has like that purple hair. So maybe right? then you should do that. Uh -huh. And I guess I'll have to shave my hair because Brian's head is shaved. But look at that, like diet. Like, so you're basically eating too healthy that it got you sick. This yeah. is pure, like, this is a pure advertisement for just go out and drink, eat the pizza, have the dessert. <laughs> I mean, because you, because I didn't understand it said diet. I'm like, does yeah. he have a bad diet? I didn't and again, I don't doing keto. I know the keto stuff was after, so I don't think it has to do that. Whatever he was eating wow. before was what was not mixing well with him. And it could have been an allergy. I mean, he's saying he's talking to Eastern medicine. So this could have been an allergy. This could have been just something he was putting into his body that was not mixing well and caused him to have these stroke-like symptoms. Interesting. Because he was on some show. I don't remember. It lasted very Terminator? on Fox. Yes. And then he was on the revised 90210 when that came back mm -hmm. for a hot minute. So maybe and, it was in he, between that period. Cause I don't think he did much in between that period. Well, he also did anger management. Oh yeah. Anger he management. Did that. So he's, he's had some other roles uh, in the last few years, but the 90210 thing was also after. So I think this was kind of like in between anger management and the 90210 reboot. Well, I'm still in, uh, I just went to 90s con in Tampa, Florida. So I met, you know, I met Brian Austin Gray a million times, but I mean, they were all there, but I'm still in mourning Dax over the reboot of 90210 not being I did that air. not last? You know, people couldn't, I don't know if you watched it. I thought it was yeah. a great, they were playing heightened versions of themselves. I will try, you know, you and I talked about this before when you were on my podcast. My number one person right now, which has been for a long time, is Shannon Doherty. That is who, when you want to know my number one guest living in reality, because I'll take Madonna out of it. Shannon Doherty is my number one guest that I would like to come on behind the velvet rope yep. that I haven't had so far. So I think it didn't last because people just didn't. I think they wanted 90210. And I think the fact that they were playing themselves, playing the characters, I think... It, I thought it was brilliant, but people just didn't, I think, grasp that concept. It's so funny because our number one is Tori Spelling. So that, I, isn't that funny? No, we both are wanting these uh, two, uh, 90210 stars. Um, I, I, and I, 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 we've reached out to Shannon before. Um, she is notoriously hard to get on interviews. 
She she knows me now from going to 90. Like we we do have a thing. Like she knows mm-hmm. what I do, but like you, like not really wanting to talk about Megan Fox with Brian Austin Green. I'm not. I always teeter on because we have moments when I see her. Mm-hmm. Like she knows that I'm like a huge fan and I, I'm almost, but I'm not one to ask. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. just, I, I, I would, but I'm not. Yeah, see how you. humble I am. It's like, it's a weird thing, right? Of like, yeah. if it, per, if it presented itself, but Tori is, I, I had candy on my show. That's amazing. Tori is, uh, trust me. I get, I get the allure of Tori. I think Tori will one day do your podcast. I'm crossing my fingers. She's because there's so much. I love like there's so much you could ask Tori, right? Hundred percent. Um, where are we? We are up to number three. Number three, Drew Barrymore getting some major backlash. If you remember, she was going to put her show, her talk show, back into uh, production while the writer's strike was still going on, and she was getting a ton of flack. They were calling her a scab for doing this. Her rebuttal was basically, hey, I've got a lot of other people who work on my show that they need money. They need to get back to work. Like, I, I am someone who could go without a paycheck for a while. There's a lot of people that couldn't go without a paycheck for a while, and she was trying to get them back in work. Well, um, now that the strike is over, her show is going to go back into production. The problem is there are now her head writers have said, thank you, but we no longer want to work with you um, because of her saying she's going to go back, which is going to be a huge blow to her show. You lose three of your top writers. Um, There's three women named Chelsea, Christina, and Liz. Um, They've been with her since season one, and uh, they were out picketing quite a bit when when the strike was going on. And so they're now saying, look, you didn't have our backs when we needed you to have our backs, so we no longer are going to have yours um we will go look for a new job rather than work for you i have so many thoughts first of all huge drew barrymore fan let me just mm-hmm. put that out there you know what look i don't understand i guess at the beginning i i understand her rationale like first i have people to support you know people need to yeah. work. but i mean listen we it's not that far long ago i mean we're coming out of the strike now we're not quite out of it but like what did she think like how did she think this was going to be a good move like people were really i mean you couldn't even do interviews like you couldn't even promote anything like it was pretty rigid of what you could do and not do so when she announced this i understand the rationale but how did you think this was going to go over with like the world fran drescher most of the people involved like I don't know. I was shocked. I'm shocked we even got there. And then she stood by it when she got the flag mm-hmm. before she broke down and cried and said she changed her mind. She stood by it. So I almost get this. I also think like, man, people in Hollywood really love, you know, we talk about Hollywood. This is Hollywood raw, but there are people that have principles, right? Cause you know, mm-hmm. most people in this town will just sell out for the buck, but I respect what these writers are saying. Like, they're really like, why, you know? And this show had trouble, you know, in the beginning. You know, season one, it wasn't a huge hit, the Drew Barrymore show. It had the troubles, and we didn't even know if it was coming back, and it was COVID. And then we gave it a second chance, and then it kind of broke out to its moment. So, I mean, and also, what a shame that, like, she missed this window by, like, what? You know what I mean? It's not like it was another six months. It was was like a two-week. Maybe. I know. Um, I would say <laughs> what I chalk it up to is Drew Barrymore seems to be one of the nicest people in Hollywood. 
And I think she has a lot of people talking in her ears. She's got the people on her staff that she's probably seeing daily and they're going, I can't pay my bills. I can't do this. I can't. She probably feels really bad. And she's like, look, I'm going to not have people write for my show. It's not going to be as good of a show. Um, But at least then I'm getting half my people back to work and making money And, you know, I'm going to support my writers by not having written segments and that kind of stuff, like trying to, you know, tiptoe on the line. And unfortunately, I think it just backfired on her. I just I feel bad for her. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I truly think that Drew Barrymore has the best intentions. She doesn't seem like, uh, you know, a crazy bitch or anything. She seems like she has good intentions, trying to make everyone happy. And you just can't at the end of the day. Her reputation is that like I've met her before, you know, I don't know her, but like in passing. Yeah, I think she's truly, you know, a down to earth, nice person. I don't think she's that. So I agree, you know, and I don't agree with this, but, you know, I think the other criticism is like, you know, well, you are Drew Barrymore. Couldn't you have helped these people out if you were that concerned? Look, I mean, it's one thing. Your wealth can only go around so much, too. Totally. I mean, she has two children. Yes. So I don't necessarily agree with that either, but it's just what I think she had good intentions. I kind of feel bad for her, but like, what a shame that it was like, so if you just held out for like two or three weeks. So I don't know. Like, I mean, is she, where are the new writers going to come from now? They're, I think they're actively searching right now to find three new writers to, to get that show back up and going. I agree with you. And I hope it works out because I'm a huge Drew Barrymore fan. Number two, number two, what do you have for us? Number two, obviously Taylor Swift going to the Chiefs game, Chiefs Jets game uh, over the weekend was a massive deal. They panned her 57 different times during the the telecast. The the viewership was at like an all-time high, highest rated football game since the, uh, the Super Bowl. Uh, everyone was talking about it. The amount of photos that came out from it, Taylor showing up with Blake Lively and Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman. I mean, it was just a motherfucking spectacle. It was ridiculous. Well, Travis Kelsey um, did say, so he's got a podcast with his brother. Um, it's called New Heights. And they were talking about it. His brother asked him, Jason asked him, like, you know, do you think that the NFL is like, overdoing it a bit and he's like what's your honest opinion he goes take your feelings for taylor and you know and put that to the side like do you think they're overdoing it and he said yes they're overdoing it a little bit for sure especially my situation i think they're just trying to have fun with it he goes i i i think that showing celebrities in the audience is a good thing because it kind of shows like who's there he goes i i feel like basketball has mastered that where you you show them courtside, you pan to them once, that's it. And then the rest of the game just kind of goes on. But you saw Kim Kardashian was there. You saw Jack Nicholson was there. But to pan to Taylor every time Travis made a play or to just shamelessly keep going to her, he, he's like, enough's enough. And I get that. There's a lot of pressure on his shoulders right now, I feel like, with this relationship, which... I don't feel like it's a relationship relationship. I just feel like this is a budding friendship to see where it goes, honestly. I kind of agree with all of that. I mean, you know, I can't believe I'm saying this because the Kardashians are like the biggest thing ever, but Taylor really is the biggest star in the world. Love her, hate her, however you feel. I mean, she's 
huge. I agree with you. I mean, I'm being very, you know, where I say, I don't think it's going to last for Ariana Grande. I don't really get this. I still had PTSD from when you were on my podcast and you, when she broke up with that boyfriend of hers for eight years and you said like, maybe this is a publicity stunt. And I was like, really? You're mm -hmm. like everyone, David. See, I remember the things you say, Dad. Yep, you you say everybody. Yes. Taylor loves this. It's all publicity. Everything she does is calculated and you weren't even criticizing her. So I still have PTSD from that, that I now look at Taylor and everything and look, all the fans are finding the Easter eggs, but I just don't see this. Like, I don't understand. But I don't get this. The, the, the allure is he is one of the best players out there right now, you know? And so he's already got this massive following, especially, you know, with, with anyone who loves football, he's a big fucking deal, like huge deal. And then you've got her supporting him. And I mean, he was a huge Taylor fan. So there's this like kind of, behind the scene or background story of him kind of like trying to get her attention and courting her. And now she's showing up to his game. So like, this is a really fun story. And for her, I got to think, look, she's already the biggest thing in the world, but her going to a football game suddenly boosts the foot. Like the NFL is basically bowing down to you. You're getting, you know, escorted into the arena so you can watch someone play. Like NFL became about Taylor Swift. Like that's a big deal for her. And that's amazing publicity at the end of the day. Look, I think it's great for both of them, right? It's certainly 100%. great for the NFL. It's on this podcast of his with his brother. Linus, listen, I did a podcast recently. And yes, I'm a self-respecting housewives podcast gay man. I truly can say not to be stereotypical. I had no idea who this human being was. I literally <laughs> I literally said to someone, like, yeah. is this guy a big deal? And he's they kinda, huge. Well, they kind of had the same reaction that you're having right now. They're yeah. like, are you a fucking moron? Like, what are you talking about? I'm like... I am not even trying to be humorous. I have no idea who this person is. So I know, see him. I know he's, but yeah. I didn't realize he was like, you know, that big a deal. So that's certainly, I can tell you, there's a lot of people like me that have never heard this man's name before. You mean to tell me all these tween girls and 21 year old girls that bow to the altar of Taylor Swift. Like I'm sure lots of people like you can rest assured that everyone is following this guy now. So it's 100%. a good thing for both of them, right? It's a great thing. It, it opened up two different like worlds. Like you got to think about it. There's this like super macho football world. That's like now Taylor Swift is being pushed in your face. And then there's the Taylor Swift world where Travis Kelsey is being introduced to you. And so that's why the entire world is talking about these two right now, because it's just two worlds coming together. I mean, did she get a lot of flack from dating Matt Healy for two seconds? Yes. So there's where I have you in my ear of like, well, this certainly got everyone over talking mm. about that. So I hope it works out. I think it's great for everyone. I just don't, I don't feel it yet. I don't, I don't, I, I'm I, not feeling I'll it. tell you the reason I don't think it's going to work out because he went into this being a super fan. And I don't feel like that's a healthy thing for a relationship. It's not. And I mean, look, that just shows me here I am stereotyping these 21-year-old girls. But here is a macho football player who's a fan. So Taylor's fans just, 
they they know no limits. <laughs> but right. that it's this is this is an interesting one. But what we have our number one now. There's only one story that has to top this. So I can't wait to hear what you have to say here today. And it's hard to top Taylor Swift, but this story I think a hundred percent does it. A man is now in court. Uh, suspected of killing Tupac Shakur, and he appeared in court for the first time. It's a 60-year-old man who was arrested last week for in the, the killing of uh, rapper Tupac Shakur. So Wednesday in Las Vegas, he appeared. His name is Dwayne Keith David, also known as Keith D. He was, uh, he was expected to be arraigned on a charge of murder with the use of a deadly weapon and a gang-related homicide stemming from that fatal September 7th, 1996 shooting. Like, that's how long ago this was. Uh, but I guess he got to court um, and then said his defense attorney needed two weeks uh, for the... Uh, to arrange to be present for this. And so they have now pushed off the arraignment until October 19th, but he is accused of orchestrating the shooting uh, that killed Tupac Shakur, who was 25 at the time, who was just kind of a trailblazer, who was on the brink of a massive, I mean, he already had a massive career, but a prolific career um, who has had a, a huge legacy even since. And, um, Basically, there's been decades-long investigation going on by police that accumulated in last week's arrest. Uh, they're saying that there was a bunch of evidence that was seized from his house. Uh, there's a bunch of witnesses that have come forward over the last few years that actually allowed for them to make some progress on this case. So they've been just gathering, gathering, gathering evidence. They didn't want to go too soon. Uh, they wanted to talk to a lot of people first to, to a point where they felt like they had put enough together, a strong enough case against him to charge Mr. Davis with the murder. Um, and so they've got to this point now, which is, I, I mean, just crazy in my mind that we're ever going to see someone, uh, you know, be accused for the, the murder of Tupac because it's been such a big mystery. I mean, there's been tons of TV shows and all these uh, speculations and so much surrounding his death. Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, like if you're of a certain age, like you remember this, like 1996, I would love to know what evidence, like what evidence when they say they found in the house, I'm like, they, I guess they evidence? found a memoir or like he was writing and he put himself, I mean, I guess he's openly said that he was there the night that Chupa, uh, the Tupac was murdered. He was at the MGM. I think he ended up getting, what did they say? They said that they believe that this was retribution because he was associated with the Crips. Tupac was associated with the Bloods or Pyru and um, here in California. And that the guy's brother, I guess, got beaten up. And so this was kind of like he was going back to get Tupac for hurting his brother. Right. Who was beat up, not killed. Yeah. But... You know, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's he has openly admitted that he was there. It's just I'm always like a third, I mean, 30 years. So it's like I it's, I have so many feelings about this because it's like, wow, that we can solve a case. These cold cases really get solved. And two, yeah. could you imagine like doing this? And then like it's literally 1996, almost 30 years that you are just free. So think about like yeah. the 30 years you've lived so here's Life. where it gets this is where it gets really interesting 
So TMZ put up a story because uh, if you remember, Suge Knight was driving the SUV the night that Tupac was killed. So yeah. Tupac was in the passenger seat. Suge was driving. And so I guess TMZ reached out to him and said, hey, are you going to be participating in any regards in this court hearing or this trial or whatever comes out of this? And Suge was like, no, I'm not going to partake in this case. And not only that, he he's saying to cops, you arrested the wrong guy. You find that really interesting? Like after I, I all of this work to have the guy who's sitting next to Tupac say you didn't even get the right guy. Well, first of all, I mean, can he just refuse to participate? I mean, can't he be forced to participate? I mean, he was sitting no. right there. I don't no. think I, I think he he won't because he doesn't want to be a snitch at the end of the day. Because what it sounds like is Suge knows who killed it Tupac. Sounds like it. But won't speak on it because he doesn't want to be a snitch at the end of the day, which is wild to me. Um, but yeah, the, you know, he's putting out that statement saying, Hey, cool that you got someone. I know who, you know, Keith D is, but um, but not the right dude. That is honestly the most interesting thing out of this whole story. I mean, also, you would think, because, like, you know, to your point, they said, like, look, this isn't like a, a cold case in the middle of nowhere that you're going to, I mean, you know, this is going to be national news, right? So yep. you would think to their point, like, you would want to make, it's kind of like when the feds, like when Jen Shaw from Salt Lake Housewives, of course, I have to relate it back to Housewives, and everyone, she said, I'm innocent, I'm innocent. I'm like, she's not innocent because, you know, this is how the law works. And when it's the feds, they don't come knocking. Like, you, trust me, the feds case is always airtight. You would just think if it's 30 years old, this is such a national thing. There's so many, like you said, he was such a prolific artist. Like, I, you're not sure? I mean, maybe they are sure, and who knows what well, Suge Knight's talking thing. about. But the, the cops feel super, like, they feel like they found the guy. And, even, huh. you know, I got to imagine, you know, so Suge, Suge knows, if he knows who killed him, at the end of the day, I think Suge would want that justice for Tupac, right? And even if he isn't going to rat him out, I think that there is, in the back of his mind, he wants someone to pay for Tupac's death. And if he truly believes this guy isn't it, for him to even say, that's not the right guy, you know, he could have easily just said, I'm not going to participate, end of story, and sit back and smile that they finally got the guy and he didn't have any participation in it. Right. So you almost have to believe him because why would he say that? Like, why would he? Yeah. Why would he say not the right guy? So that's the thing. And so it's like, you know, you would think so. I mean, I tend to believe him. And then it's like to the police, like, what a fuck up. You know what I mean? Here's the thing. If um, they are claiming that this guy, Keith D, orchestrated it. So maybe in Suge's mind, he wasn't the guy that pulled the trigger. And in the cop's mind, he didn't have to be the one to pull the trigger. He orchestrated his death. You know, maybe we're talking to semantics here. Um, and and yes, this guy was definitely behind it or, you know, whatever the case is. Maybe they're saying he's behind it. But even if he didn't shoot him, he deser- deserves to pay for his death. I don't know. Maybe because also, like I read, I think that like he's the only one alive. I think that was in that mm-hmm. the car or whatever. So Right, maybe this is semantics because I think everyone else has passed away. So, so crazy to, to say you haven't gotten the this. right person, right? Like it could be someone yeah. who's dead. I am 
so fascinated by this whole thing to see that this case is now come back into light. I mean, we've talked about so much of the mystery of it for so long to see like, wow, is someone actually going to go, you know, behind bars for this? I'm anxiously awaiting to see this unfold. Me too. And like, you just, you can vision in Hollywood, all the new documentaries and specials like that are going to now happen. Right. Cause I, I find this so fascinating too. hundred percent. Well, that is your raw rundown, David, let people know a little bit about your podcast behind the velvet rope. So uh, they can go and check it out. It's similar to yours. We interview celebrities. We do a lot of Bravo, but real celebrities too. Lots of the 90210 people have been on. They can check it out behind the velvet rope on Apple, Spotify, anywhere you find your podcast. You can follow us on Instagram, behind velvet rope, YouTube. Tune in and see, and we cover gossip in Hollywood. So very similar to yours. So feel free. If I haven't, you know, turned you off here today, check us out. We, <laughs> we, we love new listeners and new subscribers. And you've been on it, so they should start with the Dax Holt episode. Start with the Dax episode and then grow to love it, because I'm sure you will. David, thank you again for, for jumping in, filling in uh, Adam's shoes today. Greatly appreciate it. And you guys, if... Uh, Take the time, head on over to uh, leave us a review. Please, please, please. We say that is the best thing you can do for us. Head on down to uh, Apple iPod or Podcasts. Uh, find our show page. Go to the bottom. Leave us a review. Five stars. Tell us what you love, what you didn't love. But put your name at it so I can, at least I can give you a shout out when I read your review. And, um, and then, yeah, obviously we're all over social media, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, all that. But uh, join our private Facebook group, Off the Record, where you guys can tra- talk directly to uh, Adam and myself. So go find us there. And if you need a link, um, it's in our link tree. So just type in HollywoodRaw.com and we'll give you a link directly to our private Facebook group. Uh, until next time, thank you guys. Bye. Bye. A Huda Media Production.